it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to this, welcome to the Often Daunted Podcast, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Burke White, and I am pleased to be here after a victory, as I usually am, as the Indiana Hoosiers beat the Wright State Raiders 89-80. to And as we do on each show, I'm going to be providing you a recap on what we just saw, um, sharing some of my thoughts on it. I'll be digging into just the latest Indiana news out there before getting into some national news. Following that national news, I'll be getting into previewing the UConn game. And after that, I'll get you out of here with a little Hoosier history hit today. Thank you so much for listening. I can't thank you enough. Um, if, if you are a returning listener and you do like the show, please feel free to subscribe. Uh, feel free to leave a review. Uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, good reviews definitely help my ego. And if you are planning on leaving a bad one, just uh, forget I said anything at all. If, if you haven't followed me on socials, you can follow me everywhere at Often Daunted. With that, that out of the way, as we start each show following a victory, it's time to play the song. I played it uh, rather begrudgingly following that Army game, but in this one, hey, in this game, there was plenty to be disappointed in. There was. There was plenty to worry most fans out there. That being said, there was plenty of stuff that we hadn't seen prior to this, and plenty of stuff to get Hoosiers excited, plenty to take away, and uh, plenty to build a little sense of optimism in you. So yeah, I mean, hey... You cannot falter uh, in the battle. We tried and true. Indiana, our Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. Again, Indiana with that victory over Wright State, 89-80. I, I honestly thought this was going to be our toughest mid-major opponent. And that was under the assumption that Trey Calvin would be playing because that dude is a walking bucket. Uh, But before we get started, I just need to say, hey, whoever is out there like, oh, yeah, but Trey Calvin, oh, I mean, hey, he would have been the game changer that really won this for the Hoosiers. Guess what? His minutes were given to that Wallage kid from Indiana, and that kid shot the lights out of the ball. Like, even at a rate higher than he should hit just threes if he were just the only, the single man on the court. So I think I think that argument's ultimately mute when you have when you have uh, the guy who is taking his minutes just playing out of his damn brain. Just wanted to get that out of the way and uh, preface that for anybody who's like mm, Trey Callian wasn't in the game. Shut up, shut up. Guess what? Whoever replaced him in that one was far better than Trey Calvin would have been. Whoever replaced him in that one, Wallage, that dude was a he was a mathematical anomaly today. And yes, that I mean, it is in part to Indiana's poor shooting, but even then, or poor defending along the perimeter, but even then, it, it was an inexplainable conversion rate for him behind the arc. If that was that kid's just every day, guess what? He wouldn't be at right state. So get real with that argument. With that out of the way, into the right state game. Okay, hey, it took all but uh, a total of one minute and 12 seconds for an unforced error to be committed by the Hoosiers with uh, Malik passing the ball out of, the bound, out of bounds from the post. Just just sending it clear on the other way of the gym, out the back of the end zone, if you will. You know, that, that play, I mean, first play of the game, right out of the tip, or not the first play of the game, but I mean, shortly after tip, it just gave me flashbacks to all of the unforced errors that were being committed in the Army game. 
with just handing the ball to the Black Knights, giving them op- every opportunity to absolutely just stay in it as long as they did. But the Hoosiers said, enough is enough, and got off to the hottest start the likes of this program has seen since the Ohio State game last season. These boys came out with a fire that this team needs every damn game. That, that is a source of optimism for this Hoosier fan, for sure. I, I promise, like, all I wanted to see was a hot start. <laughs> you wanted to see the defensive pressure step up, which, uh, yeah, it was rough. With the, the threes were being taken aplenty. But hey, mid-majors are always going to be ripping as many threes as they can against uh, Power 6. Uh, yeah, 6 with the Big East. Power 6 opponents. After the hot start, in which the Hoosiers got out to the 28-13 to lead, Wright State just began to shoot the hell out of the ball, largely in part due to IU's inability to defend the perimeter as competently as we had all hoped um, earlier this season. Indiana lightened up on the defensive end after that entire run to start the game, um, being largely just fueled by de- the defense starting transition. And once they let up, Wright State took every advantage of having threes available and uh, following that 14-point, or yeah, 15-point lead at one point, the Hoosiers let down on the defensive end and uh, on the boards as well, leading to them only having that five-point lead at the half. While, while Coach Woodson was using his platoon system subbing for this one, following the reintroduction of the starters, it just seemed like everything fell flat. Just f- far less looking to run, uh, far less energy behind the ball. And uh, honestly, as far as that platoon subbing has fared for us, that platoon subbing has fared for us, I, I don't see that as a sustainable option for the Hoosiers. And, and honestly, I'm genuinely just hoping that Mike Woodson is trying to see who he's going to be utilizing. Now that real competition is starting, now that one of the big ones is here, UConn on Sunday, um, I, I hope Mike has an idea of who he can keep in a much tighter rotation. In Indiana's just perimeter defense has been so poor. So poor. And like, there are plenty of guys in that second unit that can provide an energy out there that I hope can uh, provide some sort of re- I mean, reliability along the perimeter defending. Uh, because honestly, right now, X, Trey, and McKenzie, it's just, it's rough. It's rough sledding for those guys defensively. But going against the top competition that we will, I have to hope that uh, it isn't going to be many scenarios where that second unit is all out there all at once. And, uh, hey, the Hoosier defense rightfully has most of us pulling our hair out right now. But but say what you will about Indiana's defense, and as much as you think it was flat, the Hoosier defense was genuinely better in the second half. After allowing 45 points in the first, they gave up 31 in the second. In the second half, the Raiders shot just 35% from the field. That That's very piss-poor conversion. That, it's not great. The only problem was that they were all coming from the three. And just threes are going to kill us if we allow them to be taken. Threes are deadly to a team's morale, to a team's tempo, and more so to the game mathematically. Like, three is more than two. That's just facts. That's how it is. <laughs> so so as much as you, like, this, this perimeter defense needs to focus on their job. Their job is to guard the men along the outside. It, it, it may be time for them to relax on the interior a bit. Just n- trusting and knowing that there will be at least that any shots on that interior will at least be affected by Malik and Kalel. And even if they convert at a higher rate, it's not going to be at a rate great enough that the twos are going to kill us in a way that threes won't. Heading into this season, you thought that Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson were going to be the most, like I thought Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson were going to be the single most solid defensive pair in the backcourt in the Big Ten. I did. 
that was probably big-headed and foolish of me. But every single season leading up to this I mean, would, would make you think that, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, they seem to have started this season a step slow on that end. The threes are going to kill us if we allow them to be taken. It affects every part of the game. It affects morale. It affects the score, by, I mean, most drastically. But it also affects, I mean, one of the largest complaints of this game for any of us fans, which is the rebounding. Rebounding is a lot harder when you allow three-point shots after three-point shots. Longer shots mean more variance for rebounds. That tied with the smaller guys watching habitually on the boards here. A better team is going to really decimate us with those second-chance buckets if the perimeter defense keeps playing as lax as it is. It seems to lack a sense of urgency. It seems like nobody's wanting to guard their man until he has the ball, and that's a major problem. In that game, Craig Galloway, one rebound. Xavier Johnson, one rebound. And while you're like, hey, it's, they're, they're the smaller guys, it's not their job to rebound, if, if, if a team is shooting 26 three-point shots in a game, the guards should have plenty of opportunities to rebound the basketball, if not more so than the guys down low. Because that ball's going to be bouncing farther off the rim. It's going to be careening off that rim, and both of those guys should have had far more than they did. And the sad thing is that, that I'm talking about our captains. I'm talking about uh, the largest lackadaisical issue on this team is the defensive effort of the captains. I mean, of course, Mackenzie Mbako, is, he, he's figuring it out, and he desperately needs to. We, we are going to need that kid as fine-tuned as he can possibly be with, what he bring, with all the potential he has, with what his offensive game, being in rhythm with the rest of these guys, could possibly bring this team to be. We are going to need him to be able to, I would, well, I would have said contribute earlier in this season, but we just need him to be a net zero defensively. Not hurt us, and we'd be fine. And credit, credit to McKenzie, because in this game he did seem to bring a little more energy and uh, really look to get himself going in this in a way that he just hadn't in the prior two. And, uh, hey, credit to him, he also hauled in five rebounds, which, yeah, which we needed every one of them. We needed every one of them. Like, the, yeah, the second-chance points games that, I mean, we gave up 15 second-chance points to Wright State. Uh, that, that is a Wright State team that was shooting 41% on the day. I imagine UConn is going to be able to absolutely gut us if they have every opportunity to get second-chance points. Don't don't worry, guys. I'm getting all of the bitching out of the way first, so I can uh, focus on the good stuff to head on out of here, like to to end the recap with. Because there was still good stuff. There was still good stuff. But before we get to that, we need to talk about free throws, free throws, free throws, free throws. I preached it following the Florida Gulf Coast game in which we shot abysm abysmally from the line, and uh, the Hoosiers absolutely stepped it up against Army because we needed every single one of those. I think we shot 18 for 24. We needed every single one of those. But in this game, the Hoosiers went 20 for 32 from the line. 20 for 32. It was a team-wide case of the yips in that regard. And you think, hey, if we, if we make six more of those, th this game looks far more respectable than it was. And while, while on the defensive end, yes, we looked laxed. We looked unreliable. On the offensive end, Indiana cleaned it up. They did clean it up. They exploited Wright State's smaller size, as they should have. And uh, absolutely cut down the turnovers. I, we had 18 against Army. In this game, the Hoosiers had a total of eight. I think Malik Renew had five himself last game. And not, not, it wasn't just that the Hoosiers were slowing it down. No, the Hoosiers sped it up offensively. I was genuinely impressed with our backcourt offense compared to, or our half-court offense, at least in the starters, compared to the previous games. The ball was moving around, and it was hitting 
It was moving around with intention. It was moving around with, with an objective in mind. And in this game, that objective was to get it to our big men. And the big men are where Indiana really shined in this game. Within the paint, the Hoosiers outscored Wright State 56-24. to 56 points in the paint. Now, of course, of course, that's going to be able to work against these smaller opponents, against these mid-majors. Um, the likes of Donovan Klingon and uh, Caravan are going to be more difficult to do that to. Of course they will. Donovan Klingon is, Donovan Klingon is 7-2. But in, in, in this game against Wright State, it was the bread and butter. And, the, and Malik and Kalel, just, they, they showed out. They did. Kalel Ware continues to be one of the most efficient human beings on a basketball court. As uh, he went nine for eleven from the field, while also being our our second most reliable at the line, going four for five, total for a total of twenty two points. And on top of that, while I was just I was just whining about the defensive rebounds of the captains of the squad, he he brought it on the boards. I mean, of course, it's a little easier for him, but I I, I brought it up last episode. The one question that was the single most pervasive, the single most dominating throughout every headline was it does Kalel Ware have the motor and Kalel Ware has brought the motor he has I'm so happy to see it I I needed to see it it is it is pretty crazy that he is the single most reliable aspect of this team right now with all of the offseason talk considered and uh, with our front court I mean Malik Renew had quite a few unforced turnovers last week or against the army and in this game he really he really stepped it up he he gave up two this time. He gave up two turnovers, but in this one, Malik was just as impressive as Kalel Ware, and uh, not only while utilizing that left hand hook, he he took a real step up in his distribution in this game. His errant passes were a problem in that Army game. They were a huge issue, but in this game, he really cleaned it up. And then, as far as his le- like his left handed hooks down low, I I have always said he's a dancer. If you've listened to the show, you've always heard me compare Malik to a dancer down low in the paint. He he absolutely operates with a technical mastery of his his footwork but in this game I was blown away with how much violence he had brought into his game you really see what the muscle he put off on put on in this offseason has added to his game has added to his mentality because I don't think he's uh I don't think he's going nearly as strong without it like it it could be yeah it's his confidence thing but he now now he has the body to warrant confidence in getting a little not reckless with it getting a little uh brutal with that footwork down low. He this this game he looked far stronger than any showing he's had in my mind. And I mean just literally stronger, not like his performance overall, but just he looked like he was trying to dish out punishment while also ending with one of the prettiest hooks you'll see. I went through Kalel's stat line yet. Yeah, Malik went eight for thirteen from the field in an incredibly efficient night. Of course he went 0 for three at the line. But the team desperately needs to work on that heading into UConn. We, I, again, it, this game looks far more respectable if we are hitting those free throws. And we are going to need every point we can get against the competition the likes of UConn is going to bring. But in his three trips, he missed them all. I'm not going to hold that too much against him as uh, he was just efficient enough while also being able to rack up eight rebounds for a total of 16 points, eight rebounds. But the best, most, uh, most exciting stat for me in this one for him was his assist totals five assists for our guy from down low five assists for Malik Renault five assists two turnovers who saw that coming following the prior two performances 
in this game, he looked like he had a way better idea of where he wanted to go with the ball with every pass he was delivering. I, 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 I remember one play in particular where it isn't an assist for him um, at all, but it was him backing down low on that lower block, ultimately meeting too much pressure to do his uh, patented, at this point, <laughs> left-handed hook. So he just kicked it out. He kicked it out very smartly, and then the whole offense was just humming at that point. We uh, whipped it around the perimeter, the entire perimeter, and worked it into Kalel. We worked it in in a way that wasn't there the last game. This uh, Indiana offense was far more reliable in that half court. They were. And that was a much-needed sight. That was a much-needed sight here as uh, real competition is getting booted up. The Indiana team that came today was operating far more competently offensively. And credit to the senior guards in that regard. Um, while they weren't really bringing the attention and necessary tenacity on the boards or while closing out on defenders or on shooters, they were able to distribute the ball and uh, find a way to operate this offense, find a way to get it, feed the post, find a way to feed where most of our talent and depth is. With uh, Trey Galloway racking up five assists in this one, very respectable for him. Six assists, sorry. The Hoosier offense had four guys in double digits based on how well they were passing the ball. That that does not happen much in this recent history of Hoosier basketball. So yeah, while, while there was plenty to be apprehensive about, plenty to be worried about, the Hoosiers moved the ball well. They moved the ball well and committed far less turnovers than they had prior. Part, part of that whole start to the game, part of how fast they were running, they were, they were looking to get the ball in transition. And that, I mean, that speaks to how many more fast break points we had in this one. The Hoosiers came away in this game with 18 fast break points, and that absolutely dwarfs what we were doing against Army. A few other thoughts of mine like from this game. I thought uh, C.J. Gunn stepped up his game a bit here. He, he showed a defensive tenacity that can continue to be built upon, and he finally hit that damn baseline shot. He finally hit that baseline shot he loved so much. He brought an energy today I was really happy to see. C.J.'s always brought energy, but um, yeah, he, he contributed in this one far more than he had before. It, it doesn't, like, jump off the page, but I'm two for three. He, did, he didn't take many shots, but he converted well. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was about this game. I just feel way better about CJ right now um, than I had in that Army game. Caleb Banks was able to get in and contribute to this team, uh, going two for two from the field. I mean, not, not nothing crazy, nothing to freak out about, but that's uh, in 10 minutes. Just glad to see him go out there and get his buckets. In, in only that 10 minutes, he was able to get three rebounds, showing a effort along the perimeter to get inside to fight to the board that this team is desperately going to need in the entire squad come Sunday. It, it was the increased effort that this whole team was bringing that led to Indiana being able to win the points off turnover battle, in which thanks to the 12 turnovers committed by the Wright State Raiders, Indiana was able to score 17 points. While off the eight turnovers Indiana committed, Wright State had scored four. And while we could just sit here and complain and whine about what we aren't seeing in this team, at the end of the day, this Hoosier team scored the most points in a half that they have since 2019. They came out with an energy that we have not seen from not only this team, but last year's team as well. And I'm going to take so much comfort in seeing that. I am. I needed to see an Indiana team ready to run at the tip, and despite the effort on the defensive end and on the boards down, the, down towards the end of the first half and into the closing of this game, I saw an Indiana team ready at tip. Whatever they did in this pregame warm-up, however different it was, whatever happened, recreate that. Recreate that, fix the subbing situation, maybe not take everybody off the court so that we can have some continuity and uh, morale and confidence on the court. And hey, we might be able to put 40 minutes together. 
because I, I genuinely believe if this Indiana team can put 40 minutes together, they are going to be a problem. So starting now, a little something new I'm doing for the uh, recaps of each episode or each game. I'm going to be introducing a new little bite-sized segment in which I'm going to just list the good, the bad, and the downright ugly aspects of each game. Not not really diving into them, just, just listing them off, then get, getting on to the show Walter Fish of the game. So here's the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. Starting off with that good, we're going with the Hoosier start. God, did we need it? This team looks special when firing on all cylinders, and you hope to God they can just carry it for a 40. The good, Xavier Johnson walking off the court. As much as a lot of this episode was talking about how weak our perimeter defense was, I am very grateful to see him at least walking off the court following his spill, following his ankle twist, hopefully. Continuing the good, Malik and Kalel. Absolute domination in the front court. It's going to be easy against these small opponents, but plenty of... uh. Plenty of fuel for optimism with their display today. And the distribution. Again, four Hoosiers in double digits. That's freaking awesome. That's awesome. The bad. X and Trey compared to the last season's display of defensive intensity. And the downright ugly. Rebounding in the first half. Rebounding along the perimeter in the second. The free throws. So many points left at the line. Again, we are not freaking, like, we may not be freaking out as a mass populace as much as we currently are following that one if we are hitting those line, those shots at the line. And the last downright ugly, Mackenzie's defensive freshman growing pains. I've said it before, we're going to need him at the end of March, so we may just have to work through these. We may just have to uh, smile and wave as he figures this out because we are desperately going to need him in March. Of course we need to get there, but here's hoping we can get him up to par. So here's your show, Walter Fish, of the game. The Showalter Fish of the Game. I gave it to Kalel two weeks in a row, or two games in a row, following the last two. This game, I wanted to give it to Malik Renew. Yes, Kalel looks dominant as he keeps bringing the effort in these games. He had 22 points, 12 rebounds. It's incredible. Great performance from him. But Malik Renew really showed me a lot to love here. Malik Renew showed a new aspect of his game, a more violent aspect to his game in his effort of going 16 points, 8 rebounds, five assists. He showed all that while limiting his turnovers, which which, if he can build on that, he is going to be so incredibly important to this Hoosiers. I mean, he is so important. What am I talking about? He can stand to be a problem in the Big Ten. He really got it going, and for that reason, I'm giving him the show Walter Fish the game. With that one in the books, hey, a win is a win is a win is a win, and good teams find a way. Keep telling yourself those two mantras, and you might just be okay. Hey, that rhymed. Ending on that absolute bar, let's head into the Indiana News. The Hoosiers Connect NIL initiative had a funds drive, and a credit to everyone who contributed. The I'm In drive led to a total of over a million dollars raised for Hoosier athletes. Very impressive. There was one donor who matched anything collected on that day, meaning $500,000 was raised with that $500,000 match. And to that anonymous donor, absolutely, you are a stud, sir. You are a stud. Oh, man, to have that much money. That'd be awesome. Credit to an absolute Hoosier fan for uh, matching the Hoosiers Connect NIL drive. We all support this team in different ways, and that guy's a hero for the way he did. That person, sorry. Calbert Chaney stepped in this week for Mike Woodson following the Army game for the IU Coaches Show with Don Fisher. When discussing this team and uh, just all the talent they have compared to last year's, Calbert Chaney had said, we're bigger, 
We're more athletic. We're longer. Stay with us. We're working on it. And you know what? They are working on it. This team has a lot of potential. This team, if you think this is what this squad looks at like at the end of the year, you're wrong. You're wrong. There's a lot of growth to be had by a lot of these guys, and I'm confident that they can fi- they can figure it out. Also, well, that was me talking on that last part. He said we're working on it, and yeah, everything after that was me. Calvert Janey had also said in regards to uh, what Mackenzie and Baco needs to do moving forward, he had said Mackenzie just needs to quote unquote. Continue to understand how the game is played. College game is totally different from high school. Pay attention to the details of what coach wants him to do. He'll be fine. And as as much as McKenzie's guy was open today, he was slightly less open than the last two games. So we have we have to celebrate the small... Life's a game of inches, guys. And McKenzie and Baco will get there. In regards to some Indiana Hoosiers recruiting, Indiana has offered a scholarship to a four-star point guard, Chance Mallory, a 5'9 point guard from Charlottesville, Virginia. And I have to say, I am growing on the short kings committing out there. Get a few of these guys and you've got them forever. Look at what Doug McDaniel will be bringing to the Wolverines for the next three seasons. It, it's incredible how great he's going to be in the Big Ten. I, I, I'm blown away with what he's been doing. And just with him having no real sniff from the NBA, what more could a college want? What more could you want for your school's team? So, yeah, go, go take a shot on some of those shorter guys. They might just be absolute ballers, and you'll keep them forever. Dazon Hall, a guard from the class of 2026, visited along with Noblesville guard Justin Curry of the same class during the Army game with Desan Hall having offers from Illinois, Wisconsin, and Texas A&M at this time. And uh, yeah, great to see those guys visiting, maybe not visiting during the Hoosiers' best performance. You wish we had showed out a little bit better. You wish that bench could have looked a little more lively. Don't know if that was really the type of party you wanted to join. That being said, just Assembly Hall is always an incredible environment, and I have to imagine some recruits are blown away by just how loud that place can get. In Hoosier and the NBA news, the NBA just suspended Dramond Green, for four games following him choking out Rudy Gobert, meaning Trace Jackson Davis could be in store for his biggest opportunity yet as the at the professional level. More time for TJD. May want to keep an eye on him uh, just here this week. As for Jalen hood Shafino, his patella contusion is progressing well as he has resumed full-court practices with the Lakers with the return in November possible. That was all your Indiana news since the last Army game. With that, let's get on to some national news. This is just a bit of national news, followed by the results around the Big Ten since the last recording. First up was uh, Seth Towns. Seth Towns was cleared to play by the NCAA in now his eighth year of college. Yeah, you heard that right. And what the hell is going on? In his time in college, Har- <laughs> Seth Towns started his career at Harvard, where he played two seasons, including his sophomore Ivy League Player of the Year season. Following that, he sat out his final two years at Harvard with a knee injury. After that, he transferred to Ohio State University as a graduate student in his hometown of Columbus for the 2020-21 to season, playing in 25 games for the Buckeyes before missing the next season with, before missing the entirety of the 21-22 season with a back injury. On September 4th, he announced that he would be stepping away from basketball. On May 15th, 2023, he would be returning he announced that he would be returning and transferring out of Ohio State University. The following week, he would commit to Howard University. Now, this season, at the age of 26, most of his teammates at Howard would have just been in middle school when this guy was playing for Harvard. And you have to think, hey, some of his teammates at Harvard have to be 18 years old. 18 years old. He's 26. When he started at Harvard, they would have been 10-year-olds. I mean, I just wanted to share this story because this is an absolutely insane story. And just about an entirely unique career in college basketball. 
Next up, I just wanted to mention Harbaugh's comment of Michigan being America's team. I didn't know. I didn't know that you were just allowed to claim titles like that. So uh, here on the Often Daunted podcast, I wanted to take my opportunity to claim Indiana as America's college basketball team. That's just hey, you just got to say it, and it's true, I guess. Let's get into some of those results. Michigan looked like a true tournament squad, the embodiment of world beaters, as Doug McDaniel's dropped 26 all over Patino's face as the Wolverines handed St. John some humble pie. Going wire to wire with their dominance over the Red Storm 89-73 to Monday, Rink Mast, the Dutch destroyer, was able to tally a double-double with 12 points in the Huskers' victory over Ryder Monday. He was able to follow that up with an impressive performance of 14 points and 8 rebounds in their Thursday night win, 84-63 to over Stony Brook. But it was new Husker and ex-Bama forward Juwan Gary that led production in that one with 8 of 11 shooting from the field for 19 points coming off the bench. Zach Eady did very Zach Eady-like things as the Xavier Mustard tears visited, and he dropped 28 points with 11 rebounds and kept Xavier at bay for pretty much the entirety of their Gavit Games matchup. Wisconsin looked utterly lost wire to wire as they went to Providence for an utter beatdown 72-59. They were able to win the second half, but Providence looked to take, a, take it a bit easier there following the 37-21 lead into the half. Michigan State's shooting woes continued into the Champions Classic as the Spartans had 20 points at the halftime break when taking on the Blue Devils, down 11. Illinois lost to Marquette at home, and Marquette is a real deal team. They are. And in this one, Illinois most likely wins if Coleman Hawkins doesn't have a Coleman Hawkins game, and he is able to contribute more than 2 for 9 from the field for 5 points in his 30 minutes on the floor. Terrence Shannon tried to do it single-handedly, dropping 21 points in this one. Illinois' only real muscle, Dane Danger, had a total of three minutes in this, suggesting that Underwood is looking to play a very specific style this season. Live by Hawkins, die by Hawkins. Is a risky tactic if you are looking to rattle off six wins in March. Still, a great team in the conference, uh, but that may need to be addressed by the Illini before then. And I would say, hey, Coleman Hawkins will figure it out, but that guy is a veteran of this league, and this has been the case his whole career. Penn State was able to competently handle the Ken, Ken Palm 359th, that's four spots from dead last in the nation, uh, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, after pulling the starters for most of the second half following a 46-18 first half lead. The game ended 83-53. It was all Bowie and Barnheiser as the Northwestern Wildcats narrowly escaped a loss to Western Michigan after blowing a 12-point second half lead. Barnheiser racked up 20 points and 7 rebounds in his bid to replace Chase Aldiz as Northwestern's second fiddle. An impressively shooting Iowa lost to an even more impressively shooting Creighton team, 92-84. Iowa was able to convert from the 3 at a 42% clip compared to Creighton's 34, the difference being Iowa's 14 3 attempts against Creighton's insane 29. The 3 may be the key, guys, and <laughs> it's a damn shame Indiana is not taking more of them, is not making more of them. And the last thing in regards to that Iowa game, I will tend to root for Big Ten teams, but Iowa continues to make it utterly impossible as they persistently bring in just the most hateable people possible in this conference. I've said it before, but I, I couldn't root for Peyton Sanford, even if he were going toe-to-toe in the ring with Ivan Drago. I, I just can't do it. While watching Bruce Thornton make a highlight reel, a la Bryce Sensiball, has been fun to see these uh, the first two games of the Ohio State season, the Buckeyes look to have made a conscious effort to get everyone involved in the Merrimack matchup, and good on them. Bruce will win you games, but they'll need some uh, cohesion to do anything sustainable in the conference. After taking 11 shots in the Oakland game and 20 against Texas A&M, Thornton took six in the Buckeyes' 76-52 victory over the Warriors, outscoring Merrimack 41-23 in the second half to really pull away with this one. 
and that last result being the uh, Minnesota-Missouri game. Oh, man. Just checking in as it, uh, it wrapped up while I started recording this. Missouri was able to pull away with the victory, 70-68. to Minnesota now 2-1 and one on the season. With that, let's get to a word from our partners, and then we will get on to the UConn preview. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you by Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, just a collection of basketball podcasts now that football's wrapping up. They also have football podcasts. Check those out if you want. But uh, really excited about the network of basketball podcasts, what we're going to be able to do together, what we are going to be able to produce um, here on each other's shows, helping each other out. Planning on having some of these guys on to discuss uh, previews of Big Ten opponents once the season gets going here. If you haven't followed them, go give them a follow at Big Banter Sports. Also, if you haven't followed me again, it is everything. It is everywhere on all your socials at Often Daunted. At Often Daunted. At Often Daunted. Thank you so much. All right, guys. UConn's here. <laughs> UConn's here. And I'm thinking many of us are plenty worried about this matchup. And rightfully so. UConn has handled business against their three non-conference opponents. And Indiana has showed some troubling signs at times. While there has been plenty to pull your hair out about, there are plenty of things that the Hoosiers have done that I believe could bode well for us in this matchup. I genuinely do. So uh, let, let's dig into this one. Last season, UConn went 31-8. and eight. Well, I don't need to tell you about UConn's last season. They won the damn national championship. Their, their program's coming off the highest of highs. Dan Hurley's been able to get UConn back to the peak of college basketball, and heading into this season, he's been paid like it. After he signed a new uh, six-year, $32.1 million contract, making him the sixth highest paid before a plethora of incentive bonuses. Yeah, the craziest part of that, and credit to his agent for getting this, uh, were just the incentives he gets, he, the bonuses he gets for every level of the tournament he's able to reach, and s- just several other miscellaneous achievements. UConn will be entering this game in Madison Square Garden with an incredibly impressive ranking at the moment compared to Indiana. Right now at this time, they are the Ken Palm fourth overall team with the sixth ranked adjusted offense and the seventh ranked adjusted defense and this this team this UConn team can score at any point on the floor if you are stepping foot on the floor for UConn you pose a threat for a bucket it's never great to just read a box score on air but UConn's box scores through the first three games speak to just how crisp and cohesive this team can be on the offensive end especially their game against Stonehill in that Stonehill game I I won't even read you the names I'll just read you the point, point totals of their five starters 15 points, 16 points, 17 points, 22 points, 12 points. That is a total distribution of production responsibility. Some nights, any of these Huskers can beat you, and some nights, all of these guys are going to beat you. The Huskers lost plenty of talent to the NBA heading into the season, um, none of which is more glaring than the loss of Adama Sanogo. Luckily for them, they have Donovan Klingon. Donovan Klingon is expected to be the centerpiece of this team's front court throughout the season. No surprise there, as it seems the entire nation has been hyping Klingon up to be the breakout player of the year. After playing a supporting role, but a substantial supporting role in the national title run, Klingon has been suspected all offseason to be the catalyst for the UConn success, and through three, he has not let them down. At seven foot two inches, Klingon has extru- incredible mobility for his size. Klingon was able to consistently contribute in a largely limited role last season, averaging 6.9 points. 5.6 rebounds, and 1.8 blocks in just 13 minutes a game. The other big body down low for them will be 6'8", 220 redshirt sophomore Alex Caravan, who has taken leaps in his game to add to the Huskies' tournament efforts. Alex Caravan started in all but one of UConn's games last season as the redshirt freshman. 
And in his sophomore season, he has taken leaps in production. With more time comes more responsibility, and Caravan has taken his offensive production to the next level, averaging 17 points through the first three games of this season, making him currently the highest-scoring Husky. He, at this time, he's also adding 6.3 points per game. Another very recognizable face on that starting five of UConn. Getting out of Rutgers seems to have been a great move for Cam Spencer. In their most recent outing against Mississippi Valley State University Delta Devils, awesome name, Cam Spencer dropped 25 points, 19 of which came in the first half. That being said, I refused to fear Cam Spencer. I refused to fear Cam Spencer last season, and this season, despite Hurley's much cleaner offense than Rutgers, I refused to do it here. Possibly the biggest unknown of this UConn team as far as, uh, yeah, just a face, a face new to the game at this point, is their starting point guard, Stephon Castle. He is a true freshman that came onto the Huskies this season as the ninth overall player in the nation. He was out in their game against the Delta Devils with a right knee injury that he acquired following a spill he took during the Stonehill game on Saturday. But I don't, susp- I, I don't likely see him missing his opportunity to play in Madison Square Garden. If Stefan Castle is ready to go in this one and the Hoosiers are looking to capitalize on their athleticism, we've got to present a defensive issue for a freshman ball handler in this, his first non-forgettable opponent of the season, of his career. If the Hoosiers are able to smother him, and I believe that the Hoosiers, if the Hoosiers are able to smother him, they can greatly capitalize on their points in the transition game. And as it seems to be with this team's athleticism, that is going to be the key to beating opponents this season. Now saying that the Hoosiers could possibly smother a freshman, that isn't a slight to him. That is merely a freshman getting his sea legs against tougher competition. We're currently witnessing that in spades with McKenzie. Just freshman growing pains. But if the Hoosiers can really pressure the ball, which, I mean, these last three games haven't given us much hope for that. But, I mean, there's always a chance. There's always a chance Indiana turns it on next one. That being said, I mean, Castle is currently projected as a top 10 NBA pick next draft. And his talent lives up to every inch of that billing. If Castle is unable to go, fifth-year senior, also fellow starter, Tristan Newton will be sliding into the role of primary ball handler. Newton has been averaging 15 points in 26 minutes for the Huskies, and those two have been working great together. Now, if Stefan Castle isn't good to, go, good to go Saturday, filling out the starting five would be fellow freshman Solomon Ball, another freshman in this impressive class that Dan Hurley was able to bring in this season. Solomon Ball arrived on campus with a build ready to compete at this level, and has showed the ability to do so through the first three games, admittedly against weaker opponents. Coming off of a tough shooting night, 3 of 12, against the Delta Devils, Solomon, the the length and athleticism of Indiana should pose a problem for him that he has yet to face in the uh, lesser opponents he's faced. While he may be looking to have a coming-out party, I'm hoping that the Hoosiers are able to bring more intensity on the defensive end than they've exhibited so far and take advantage of who may be one of UConn's vulnerabilities this early in the season. The UConn depth is their biggest weakness at this point in the season. That being said, they have a shutdown defender able to come in to relieve the younger players in the backcourt in Hassan Diara. Now entering his senior season, this is the second year with the Huskies following two seasons with Texas A&M. He brings to the floor a defensive tenacity that isn't as apparent in the starters of the squad and if overlooked can be absolutely deadly to anybody thinking that the bench is going to give them a lesser look than the starters with, with all of that power with all of those accolades I just rattled off in this short little preview I'm putting together at the end of the day I genuinely believe this is a beatable squad that UConn is putting out there this season despite them being able to handle their lesser opponents to start the season far 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 more competently than the Hoosiers have been able to handle theirs if there is a time to get this UConn squad, it is right now. 
It is coming off of a game in which they played the Ken Palm 362nd team in the country. In case you didn't know, Ken Palm ranks 362 teams. So they are last. Not only that, they will be coming off a long, long break before tipping off with us, as that game against Mississippi Valley State was played on Tuesday, meaning a five-day gap in play. It, it's going to take Indiana securing the perimeter. It's going to take X, X, please, God, hope that ankle's okay. But it's going to take our backcourt being able to pressure shooters, which is a crazy thing that I didn't think that I would have to worry about this season as, as, as nearly as much as I am. It'll take Mackenzie Mbako, who took a step in his defensive awareness today. Yes, he did. He did take a step. A small step, but a step nonetheless. Because last two games, it's been downright criminal what he was doing on the defensive end. Still not great, but hey, we, we, are, we are inching closer. Hopefully, the young man can respond to the bright lights and really bring it against UConn. As far as the front court goes, Donovan Klingon's due for this big breakout year, but so is Malik Renew. So is Kalel Ware. Our guy's got motors. I'm not worried about the front court. I, I genuinely am not. Caravan man introduces problems that very few forwards that we face throughout the Big Ten will present as he's just able to drain it from beyond and he seems to add he seems to be just an offensive wizard at this point in time but uh, as as much as I uh, yeah I'm not worried about the front court as much as I am Indiana's ability to slow down the perimeter Cam Spencer he can shoot the hell out of the ball yeah it's a, it's a, yeah you just got to roll the dice in this one, I guess. I mean, hey, five guys take the floor. Let's see who wins. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to be excited for it. A lot of people are just looking onto this one with gloom and doom, but I'm going to choose to have an optimistic perspective heading into this one, thinking that, hey, I think this this UConn team is genuinely overrated. I do. They lost so much. They lost just as much as us, if not more. Their squad was able to win a national title. Here's hoping the Hoosiers are ready to step up to the plate and to compete with one of the top-ranked teams in the country. With that little bite-sized preview for you out of the way, I'm going to get you out of here with a Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier history hit this week, I'm going to share just a little bit about David B. McLean. Now, David B. McLean is an Indiana University grad with a degree in both telecommunications and business, and I just figured that he was a name worth sharing, a name uh, not really known out there. McLean grew up watching professional wrestling on television. And uh, his, his, him and his older brothers, they, they attended events throughout his hometown of Indianapolis. And this really fostered a love of wrestling in him. It, it was his passion that drove his career choice as uh, he was brought into the WWA, the World Wrestling Association, where he just he learned how to promote and market the sport, sport, quote-unquote sport, eventually becoming a ring announcer and match commentator. It was during his time with the WWA that McLean started his own promotional company to uh, focus generally on the Midwest area. And while, while that was all going well for him, uh, hosting different like concerts and all that, just throwing on shows, McLean is probably most famous for his creation of the first ever all-women's res- wrestling television program in 1986, that being GLOW, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Yes, that one from the Netflix show. That, that, that whole premise was started by a Hoosier, for better or worse. Yeah, really short one. I could read you everything about Glow, but hey, it's an entertaining show. Just go f- freaking, yeah, watch the Netflix show. It's pretty good. Kind of shows how it got its uh, footing there. Yeah, just wanted to share a uh, shout out to a Hoosier alumni who did some stuff. <laughs> that was your Hoosier history hit. Very short, very, uh, very dumb. Sorry. <laughs> uh, with that in the books, you guys, this team is far from its final product. 
This team uh, is still learning how to play. With, so many new pieces are going to need some time to gel, are going to need some time to figure it out. That first half was the highest scoring since 2019. That is a cohesive offense, if you ask me. That is something to build upon and look forward to in the squad. I, I, I think Dennis Reynolds said it best himself. Everybody in the Big Ten is going to feel it when this squad peaks. I'm looking forward to it. Here's hoping you are too. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted Podcast. I can't appreciate you guys giving me the time out of your day enough. Uh, this is just a, a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, it's been so much fun doing this, uh, getting the shows out each game. Some games are more fun than others, but hey, a win's a win. I really do, lo- I really do love recording these after a win. I do. Again, if you haven't followed me in anywhere, if you haven't followed me on the socials out there, it's at Often Daunted if you're interested. Uh, if you do like the show, please subscribe. If you do like the show, please leave a review. If you don't like the show, uh, don't do anything. Just don't do anything. We're going to need all we can. Yeah, the Hoosiers are going to need all they can muster up heading into UConn. But as I am so idiotically on a game-to-game basic basis, I am optimistic about this Indiana team being able to show up for UConn. I am. I, I might be a, a, a real dumbass for that, but I have faith in these guys. So until Monday, I hope you and yours have a blessed, blessed weekend. I hope you and yours just uh, live it up here while you can, while the Hoosiers are undefeated. Here's hoping that it can continue, but it is going to be an absolute test come UConn on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. Lux at Veritas. Go Hoosiers.